And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We are part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, as always, on Wednesdays, is my good friend Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? What's up, down to dunkers? The Flukies here from Germany, Andrew. Did you know? Do you know nice. what time it is in Germany right now? Nice. Uh, is it? Any guesses? Any guesses? Uh, it's like the afternoon. It it's is like... four. P- it's almost four p.m. there. Okay, there we go. There we go. It's great. It's more convenient for uh, fans overseas to watch our show than it is to watch the actual games because they've come on at like the middle of the night. That's true. Glad you're here. Hopefully, we'll be here. as exciting as the Thunder were on Monday night, which was like actually decently exciting, right? Very. Ex- I mean, exciting to the point that I was pissed afterwards. I was I was genuinely <laughs> upset that they had lost, which is good because I, I don't know how many times I'm going to feel that way across this season. It and, won't uh, be I, many. I really yeah. wanted them to win that game because I hate the Clippers, and it would have been a fun night on Twitter. After that yeah. game, if we had won. And so, yeah. yeah, I was disappointed. And so, you know, if if any of my tweets seemed a little too extreme for eight games into the season, that's why. That's why yeah. I just wanted I just wanted the guys to win, Andrew. That's yeah. all. Just, just one of my boys to win. I'm just a Bally but, sports guy. <laughs> you know, the Thunder's record right now is one and six. You know what they were, what the record was last season through six games? Oh, um, I would guess... Uh, through six games, were they five hundred? They were two and four through oh. six games, which oh. doesn't really match my memory, right? No, not at all. But you know what happened after that? They went on a three-game win streak. Wow! After that, and then we're five and four. They beat. Let's see. They beat Brooklyn. They beat the Knicks, and they beat the Pelicans. So they beat the Pelicans by one. January yeah. 6th, they beat the Knicks 101-89. That was, that was the game. Well, that was the back – I guess they weren't back-to-back. But the two New York games, that's when Hami went crazy. And that was probably peak, yeah. like, Hami is a changed guy. Oh, my yeah. gosh, is Hami a long-term piece? That's what we were talking about one Hami year off, ago. Hami off the bench, 23-11, two assists and a steal. Only one turnover. Pretty awesome. We, just, we we weren't even thinking trade at that point. Mm-mm. No, he was he was legit good. Only took two threes. He was one of two from three. Eight of thirteen from the field. Like that was he was legitimately good. And this was so this was kind of like the best version of the Thunder last year, where the starting lineup was SGA, Dort, George Hill, Baisley, Horford. And then you had a good homie off the bench. You had Teo. Poku came off the bench and put up seven and six in that game. Nice. Yeah, and like Muscala, Kenrich, like that's like that was the rotation. Like nobody, like that's like that's decent. They were, and now, they were freaking Hami is only getting six minutes. What is up with for the that? Pistons? That was weird. And for a Pistons team that's getting crushed last night, nonetheless, destroyed. By the way, update. Uh, Oklahoma City no longer last in point differential. Shout out to the Pistons. Yeah. No longer worst in net rating. Shout out to the Pistons. <laughs> no longer the worst offense in the league. Shout out to the Pistons. Huh. Who are terrible. I wonder who's abnormally bad now. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, honestly, what's the difference between them and us? Is it because they play Jeremy Grant and Kelly Olnick? Doesn't that make it worse? Yeah. That they're, I mean, that they're paying all this money for free agents and they're still this terrible yeah it's and like we have shea 
right? Like he's clearly better than anybody on that team. Anybody on that Pistons team. And also, we have the better rookie in Josh Giddy. Ooh, yeah. What? What? Uh, so last night, the Pistons blown out by the Bucks, one seventeen to eighty nine. Cade Cunningham. It's his second game. We're not yeah. going. We're not going to overreact, Andrew. But shot we'll two fourteen from the field, zero of nine from three. Put up a six two and three in twenty nine minutes. It was rough. I went back. You started texting about it, and I was trying to finish a podcast at the time, and I was like, "Oh, well, that's interesting." So I fired up League Pass and went back and watched. And it was it was really rough, man. He just there was he had like one like mid range jumper where he kind of curled off a screen and and hit it that looked nice. But other than that, he was straight up like horrific on defense. I mean, he was getting lost off ball, on ball. He's not. He's really just not very big. You know he's. He really is probably should be the point guard for them. But the problem is that he, you know, Killian Hayes plays on ball as a point guard for them, which seems like a problem. <laughs> I know. I would I would much rather take him out of the starting lineup, Killian Hayes, and just find another shooter, whoever it is. I, I don't even know if they have another shooter, but put someone else in there. At least so play you- like Frank Jackson or Corey Joseph next to him, you know? Yeah. That doesn't sound good either, though. <laughs> no, it doesn't. But th- but this is the whole point. Like when people talk about uh, OKC's development and how it's like bad for the players. Like you can watch a Thunder game as as we have done, and like they're they're looking like a good offense. Like well, not a good offense. They're obviously the second worst offense in the league. But like they're running sets, and you can see that players are being put in positions outside of Baisley, perhaps to succeed. And yeah. then you look at Detroit. And like, I, I don't, I, the whole idea was that they were bringing Kelly Olnick to help out Cade Cunningham and, and yeah. to have all these veterans around him. Of course that, it's, it's, I, I don't know. It just annoys me to no end because their plan seems just as dumb and less strategic than what we're doing. Yeah. And no one cares. Yeah. No one cares. No one cares. Uh, they scored 89 points. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, if, and, and Kay, it's only been two games, so perhaps he will turn the corner. I actually kind of expect him to turn the corner and to look good, but, you know, if if Giddy looked like Cade has so far, like oh, the, dude, take, I was, the takes yes. would be scorching. I was thinking about that, yeah. If if Giddy came out and hadn't been what he's been, if, if he had a start like Cade Cunningham or... Sam Vecini posted some early stats from like Trey Young, Brandon Ingram, who are also really terrible in their first 10 games. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine what I would be like? Because I was already like, at, 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 I was at the cliff's edge, Andrew, in Summer League. <laughs> oh, I remember. So, so if, Giddy remember. Had come, if Giddy had come out and been bad, and now all of a sudden we're thinking, even if it's not true, but we're thinking, what if we just missed – like year one, we already missed on our first top pick. Yeah, like I would be going insane, and this would all seem so much worse. Like obviously they have a bad record; they're one and six, but we're still feeling pretty positive because we're looking at Josh Gideon. It's like, oh, I think we have something like significant here. Yeah. This is great. I'm having a great time. I don't really care if they're losing; they're being competitive and everything. If he was, if he had been like Cade, if he had started out like Cade. Oh my god, we've been miserable. We'd have to delete the pods. Yeah, later. I don't know if we could do it. I don't. I don't know if I could do it. <laughs> Thank you, Sam, for taking Josh Giddy because I don't because, know if we. Could, I don't know if we because could do you it. know you know what Pistons fans are doing right now. They're like trying to pull out any positive. They're probably like looking at his three assists. Like, oh, that was a really great read oh. by him. You know, <laughs> while he's shooting like two of fourteen. And we would have been doing the same thing, like, you know, if Josh Giddy was what everyone said he was going to be, just like yeah. oh, I know. awful defensively, no scoring ability whatsoever, can't get around anybody. We would have been like, oh, but he had that really one nice pass. That, that oh. was like a nice swing pass. It wasn't actually assist, but it was a hockey assist. And, that, and right. I think that's pretty good. That's something to build on. Very few players could make that assist, but. <laughs> oh, thank God we're not having else. to do that. Uh, he was he was good. He, he struggled in. In the beginning of the Clippers game, but 
like went after Paul. Like, but they had Paul George on him, you know, yeah. at the end of the game, and he had there were three plays that just kind of stick out to me, where like one he had that pull up mid range shot with Paul like all over him, which mm-hmm. was very impressive, and the drive by two where he kind of had that hezy dribble went around him, got all the way to the bucket. That's just something I didn't think he'd be able to do, especially against a tall, long defender like Paul George, who is, I mean, Paul is still one of the better defenders in the NBA, and, like, Josh just got him. And maybe he caught him off guard, perhaps. Uh, but still, it was very, very good. Like, very, and, very and, nice move. And for me, it's not even, like, the success rate of those plays. Like, that's the bonus. Like, just the fact that he's confident enough to even mm-hmm. think to try to pull a move on Paul George and hit a pull-up jumper in his face. Just the fact that he's even thinking about doing that mm-hmm. is so far from what I thought he was going to be coming in. Um, just because I, I just didn't know what he was going to look like scoring-wise. And to already have that confidence. And and then he's successful on a couple of these. I mean, he didn't have a great shooting night, but like he has those flash offensive plays. We are like, wow, this is this is way more than I ever would have hoped for. For a nineteen-year-old yeah. in his first ten games, yeah, he's he's been tremendous. Obviously, he like leads the class in assists and like every like passing. I'm guessing, category. I'm guessing by like a significant amount. Who is even yeah. second in assists right now? It's Jalen Suggs at three point six. Yeah, and he's at hey, five point nine. You know, I was looking at the assist totals. Why do you think? Because Shea and Giddy had the exact same potential assists. Ten point mm-hmm. four per game, mm-hmm. but Giddy almost has double the amount of actual assists. He's like five point nine right now, and I think Shea is down at three point six. Do you think yeah. that's just like small sample? You know who who they end up throwing to and who's taking the shots. It must be right. Uh, I just think Giddy's a better passer, like just straight up. Yeah, that, well, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Like it, it feels too early to like take that stat. And, and extrapolate that and say, oh, Giddy's obviously mm-hmm. a better passer because of this. But I just thought it was interesting that they have this discrepancy, even though they both are clearly creating those opportunities at the same rate. Yeah. But you watch the games, and especially at this point in the season, it was different the first couple of games. But at this point, it feels like Josh Giddy is going to be the primary initiator long term. That's how it feels right now. Yeah, he, I mean, he's, he's a better on-ball creator for others. And Shea is the better on-ball creator for himself. You know, that's... Oh, yeah. And speaking of that, like, Shea was insane in that yeah. game. He was like, so incredible. Good. That The <laughs> third quarter. I mean, the the way... His step back always looked a little awkward to me. Um, like, last sure. year, when he was first, you know, kind of trying it out. We were first seeing it, like, regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do feel like maybe it's gotten a little bit more compact, like, a little bit more efficient... Than mm-hmm. it was last year, because um, it still looks like I don't know it. He he looks different doing step backs than a lot of the other players that I'm like used to seeing doing step backs. Yeah, like, there's just something about his style, which is true of his drives as well. Like just something the way about he moves his body mm-hmm. um, is so unique to him. There was actually a, a podcast, uh, PD Webb. You know him. He's the draft guy. Mm-hmm. He's doing a new sports science podcast with a physical therapist, and oh. their their second episode was all about Shea and about oh. how how weird he moves his body, like how Send unique me that link, it is. Bro, give me that link. I, I will I will send you the link. It's it's a it's it's a good idea. I wish it was a YouTube show because they're talking about like his movement, and you just want to be able to see it as they're talking about it to know like what they're describing. Yeah. Um, but. They brought up some interesting points, and one thing I like that they brought brought up is they described the way he gets to the rim as he has an expanded root tree, which is something you hear about in the NFL when you have a wide receiver who can basically do all the roots you would ever want him to do. He just mm-hmm. has a crazy root tree. He can run everything you would want. And they said they feel that way about SGA, where it's like when he starts going to the rim, like you really don't know what he's going to do. Like, you know yeah. he's going to end up at the rim, but he has so many, like, weird, goofy moves as he gets there that are that is very unique to him in comparison to other players. But, yeah, his step back, like, 
I don't know. I, I guess I'm just a full believer now, and it, it just looks so unique. Um, but it it was working, and like he's shooting these moon balls. Yeah, like, <laughs> where his his legs kicking out, and he's just it feels like he's shooting to the heavens, and it just looks so <laughs> cool when it goes in. I don't know. I I was like, I was be- beside myself during that that Clippers game. He looks so good. Yeah. Again, it's like this, like these third quarter moments from him, where he just puts it all together and just takes over the game. I mean, I feel very confident in saying that he was the best player in that game. You know, Paul George had his moments, ended up winning the game, but I thought throughout the entire game, it was clear to me that SGA was the best player on the court. Yeah, and maybe you know him playing less on ball, which it seems like he is already doing. Yeah. Playing more off ball, maybe that will end up being good for him because just the all the other parts of his game are just going to go up a level. Because I do think those are the parts of his game where he's going to become like super elite. Yeah. I mean, we are we already see it in his drives, um, but maybe you know this isn't like a perfect comparison, but kind of like the John Wall Bradley Beal backcourt, where like Beal was the primary scorer, he could still handle the ball. We've seen Bradley Beal put up really good assist numbers. But John Wall was always the guy kind of like setting the table for most of the possessions. He wasn't seen as like the best scorer on the team. Maybe it would be something like that offensively going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, that would make total sense. Uh, so far this season, SGA, just compared to the other guys in his class, he's third in scoring at 22.9 points per game. I'd have to imagine that will go up as his efficiency goes up. Uh, he is second in free throw attempts per game to Luca at 5.3. And that's that's an interesting number just because free throw attempts are just down overall. Right, yeah. Free throw percentage is overall down as well. Uh, s- some people blame the new basketball and the attempts are down just because of the rule changes like – I think oh he actually has the exact same amount of free throw attempts per game that Trey Young does right now, uh, <laughs> which is wild because I think Trey was up at like nine last year. Yeah, and a lot of it was Trey doing the things that they were like, yeah, we're not going to let you do that anymore. <laughs> that was how yeah. he got those like extra four. Every it's game. so funny he's tied with Trey and James Harden. They all have five point three attempts per game. Yeah, it it is. I'm really interested to look at this stat in like two months to see if guys that typically drew a lot of fouls like recalibrate and figure out different ways. You know, and that's to, why you look at the top, game. Jimmy Butler averaging nine a game right now. <laughs> like how absurd is that for him to do it? Like you kind of understand why Embiid and, and Giannis are still at the top and, and Rudy mm-hmm. Gobert too. But the fact that Jimmy Butler is that high, I mean that's why people are talking about him for MVP because what he's doing right now with he's these new so rules good. is like so incredible. And he's such a power player, whereas guys like Trey Young are more, they're like finesse, like I can get anywhere I want with my dribble and I'm going to make you foul me because of what, what I can do with my dribble. Where Jimmy's like, no, I'm going through you and you're going right. to foul me. And that's just, I mean, that's the Heat's mentality. I like watching them against Dallas last night. They're, they're just tough as nails, man. And they're just they're making shots. They're playing just bully ball like all the time. Like it's Bam, it's Jimmy, it's Kyle Lowry. It's I mean they're they're really fun. And then Tyler Hero has obviously been really good to start the season too. So it's that that's been a really really interesting team to watch. But you know back like Shea in that class has been tremendous. And you just wonder because it was very clear it was. Trey Young had a better season last year than than SGA did because of yeah. injury and then what Trey did in the playoffs and, and all that stuff. But I just wonder, you know, three years down the road, do we feel the same way about those two? Because I think Shea has a game that isn't reliant upon, you know, using one of the rules or one of the foul calls as a as a way to to gain points or to do something. Like he's just like straight up like playing the game and has been since he got into the league. So I just wonder how these rule changes will change the way that we think about this class in general. Even Luca, you know, Luca being at 5.7 free throw attempts, you know, and not like dominating the league 
like we kind of hoped he would. It's just also pretty interesting too, because he used he used a lot of those tricks too, and so I think this season will be like a lot of like recalibrating. What can I do? How can I change in order to get those four or five points back? You know, I feel like there's probably a lot of these players that feel like they have you know had those points taken away from them with the rule change. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting what's going to happen with the ball. Because wasn't there a season where we started with a new ball and they eventually switched it? Like, yeah, but that was like that was a that was a it was completely different. This ball is probably slightly different, and part of it is that all these basketballs are brand new and they're not worn in at all. And maybe that's part of. Maybe we get you know, four weeks or five weeks into the season and things feel a little bit better for them. But like these are like these are the same leather balls just made by a different company. Yeah. Those those balls were like they were completely different material. They were just completely different in every way. And it was just a bad idea by the NBA. I'd like them uh, to play with, you know, when you go to the gym and there's like the one gray ball that's had everything stripped off and it almost feels like it's like a, like a carpet <laughs> feel to it. Yeah. I won't play yeah. with one of those. It's slightly like underinflated. <laughs> <laughs> Try this, guys, and see how difficult it is for us at the Y, okay? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if... I don't know what to think about the basketball stuff. I, I think it's a nice excuse for now, and things have been different. But yeah, it's it's really I helpful if your team is doing poorly right now. Like Blazers fans, they're like, "Yeah, this ball is an issue." <laughs> like Damian Lillard yeah. has never shot this poorly. It has to be the ball. I'm sure Celtics fans are feel the same way. It's it's a great excuse right now to cover up actual flaws on your team. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's very strange. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. But going back it's to very, like very the, the vision for OKC's offense, mm-hmm. you know, the third guy that I feel like it, it already fits and makes sense, and maybe we'll get into the rotation questions, is with Jerry, who, by the way, turned 21 today. It's his birthday. He did. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Jeremiah Robinson Jeremiah? Earl. Happy birthday, Jeremiah. <laughs> um, he just he just fits within the flow of the offense so well. And and yeah. you know, he'll he'd probably end up being the fifth option on like a good starting rotation, at least offensively. But he's the type of guy where I see Teo, I see Bays taking all these threes per game, and I was like why can't we get more of that from JRE? Like we saw the game mm-hmm. where he had like eight attempts. Like he he's the guy where I kind of want him to be getting those type of shots because he already yeah. plays within the offense so well and it just doesn't feel like he's getting as many opportunities as, as some of the other guys. I think he played 23 minutes in the Clippers game, which is solid. You know, he's a rookie. I get it. But he, he's the guy that I already want to see more from him. 
I mean, I, I want him like installed in the starting lineup like permanently at this point. I, I would just like him to be there. Yeah, he 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 fits. He makes the right decisions. He plays hard. I mean, he's he's like Villanova does a good job of developing their guys, especially the role player type of guys. And once they get to the league, it's like okay, they're ready. You know, like Jalen Brunson made an impact pretty quickly once he got to the league and. Mikael you know, Bridges, JR, yeah, Mikael Bridges, JRE is doing the same thing. It's it's easy to see why they selected him and why they traded you know two picks, like two pretty valuable picks to get him. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, and then beyond that, that's where it starts getting murky for me. Like, who who do I really want to see playing? And I guess this can lead into uh, a discussion of of Baisley, who yep. who did not have uh, a great game. I think no. we'd, we'd, we'd say. Um, you know, interestingly, of course, I tweet about him taking all these threes and then he hits two in the second half and his percentage ends up being like 38% from three. I, I didn't look it up, but I'm, that might actually be his best shooting night on the season so far. Mm-hmm. But the, the difference for me with Bays in comparison to even someone like Teo is that Bays's shots are so inconsistent. Like even when yeah. he's hitting some of them. So in that game... I went back and watched all the attempts and you know there's two air balls like just straight air just like totally off shots like and one was really funny because jre was underneath the basket and like swatted Baze's shot away from like to, to try to knock it back out as a rebound because right. it was so far underneath and mm-hmm. i think that's that's the thing because even with teo i mean he wasn't good either i think he was one of five for three and and he doesn't look super confident but I trust his shot a lot more than I trust Bays, even even yeah. when Bays is hitting a couple now and again, just because it, the shot looks a little bit more consistent. Yeah. Um. So I I don't know. I I I know that there are still Thunder fans that that really believe in Bays. You know, Ryland Styles locked on Thunder. He's he's a big Bays fan, and I totally get the arguments for Bays. I mean, again, he's the same age as JRE. Like they're both twenty one. Yeah, they're just a few weeks apart. Yeah. Or maybe a couple and months apart. Yeah. He did not have that type of Villanova training, obviously, because he took the year off and, and did the mm-hmm. internship. So in that way, like he's obviously more raw and more of a project player. Um I guess for me though, it's like you look at their draft picks going forward, and we know, because it already happened, that OKC is going to have to give up on multiple guys who are 22 years or younger. Mm-hmm. It already happened like with Hami, Moses Brown, and, and there were some Thunder fans who were upset by that, but it was a relatively small minority. Going forward, like they're going to be guys that they're just going to have to give up on because mm-hmm. of space and because of bringing in new rookies. And yeah. I just wonder, and, and that's why like I'm, I'm trying to be a little bit more aggressive with my base takes because – We've already talked about it. Like he's in year three. We're ten percent mm-hmm. of the way into the season, into what we feel is a make or break season for Bays. And I have no yet to see anything to convince me that he is developing any type of consistency, that he's developing any type of like flow within this this I- ideal offense that we we have in our head for what the, the next Thunder team is going to look like. And that's why I tend to be a little bit more negative on him than than some of the other players. But you were defending him last week, Al. I was because there's a part of me that like agrees. It's like, yes, he is only 21. Like that's crazy. Mm-hmm. He's 21. Why am I? Why am I being so much harder on Bays than I would be for Poku or in this case, frankly, even Teo? Like, yeah. Why is that? And part of it is the way he plays in comparison to those players. Like Teo, I it's feel without like, a doubt the way he plays. It like, is it's... because Teo. Even though I mean, you know my opinions on Teo. I've never been like the biggest fan, but. You can see where if he does develop his shot, which again seems to be a little bit more consistent than Bayes, just like mm-hmm. the form of it, he already fits within the offense. Like, yeah. like you, you see, you see it, you see the vision there. Even if I'm not the biggest fan, Bayes, I'm just like still waiting to figure out like what would this actually look like, and I've I've mm-hmm. yet to see it. And the turnovers in that game, like, dude, first so of bad. all. Like, if you go and look at the players who have had seven turnovers in a game this season, it's like superstars, super duper stars. 
to even yeah. be put in a position to be in a position where you could have seven turnovers in a game is yeah. really hard in the NBA. Yeah. I mean, like every good player that we just talked about, like Luca, Ja, like all those guys are on the list of guys who have had seven turnovers or more this year. Sure. And I went back, by the way, I didn't know you could do this. Like, I know you have second spectrum. I did not realize that the NBA.com has interactive box scores where you can just click on Darius Baisley's mm-hmm. seven turnovers and just watch yep. them all and see how they yeah, happen. Bro. Yeah, bro. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. That's great. I love that. That's great. I watched yeah. uh, all Giddy's assists. I watched. Uh, I, I you could. Wa- I watched all of Baze's just shot attempts. Just see, like, was what? What did I remember? <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> yeah, but his turnovers. It's like he had two traveling turnovers, which whatever. It was him like trying to make a move at the three point line. That's something mm-hmm. he could fix game to game. The rest of them were just the loose handle on these drives. Yeah. And polar. Do you know polar fall? Uh, Skyfall. Do you know that guy? Polar fall, sky fall. I don't know what his account is. I I follow him. Polar, yeah, polar fall at polar fall. He's no. a he's a draft guy as well, but he's been talking about how strange Baze's movements are, but not like in a good way. Like he has all these clips showing like Baze should have gone off on this foot on this play. He should have been taking a layup with this hand on this play. Mm-hmm. He's talking about how like his his movements as he makes his drives just do not make sense compared to to the way most players would take them. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting because obviously it's something like biomechanical that I don't really understand, but I I know it because I've watched him drive so many times and it's always looked off in some way. Yeah. And I and I do wonder if that's a piece of it. But yeah, like just and obviously the the final turnover was was the the most egregious because he's driving into a double team doesn't look like he's any has any interest in passing out of that and and he turns it over and so i i just don't know i don't know what to do with bays at this point they say that you know all these other players need to eat their broccoli before they can get their skittles it feels like you know it's just like a big bowl of skittles for bays every game you just do whatever he wants i know that's it is weird compared to other players where like poku even has a great game and it's like yeah great job you don't get to play and Baisley who and he does it's it's funny he he just he doesn't do the right things and and maybe this is part of it and McKellie pointed this out in a text the other day that he he doesn't defend with the correct hand in the corner like he's always using the wrong hand to defend shots in the corner See, th- where it, guys yeah, can just like that can just blow past him. And I think a lot of like the drives are like footwork issues too. Like those are, and I'd like to ask Mark about this, just what his thoughts are on Baisley and what he can do to improve. But it's always, it always feels like he's using the wrong hand or the wrong foot or something there, there's just there's just something off about it where it's like you said like there's there's not a cohesion there and then the and, and then just like the decision making stuff just is pretty poor and he doesn't fit cohesively within the team he, he has moments where he does but it's more flashes like he did it he flashed some of that during the Lakers game and but I mean lately he he plays like he's the star of the team, you know, or one of the stars of the team. He doesn't play like he's a role player on this team where it's clear to anybody who has watched all seven of these games that SGA is the best player on this team. Josh Giddy is number two. And then Lou Dort is probably number three. And then number four, I would just wouldn't even consider Darius to be there. You know, he's been more involved than anybody else outside of those three. But he certainly hasn't been good. Like he hasn't been a helpful player outside of the Lakers game. And the pro- the problem is, and this is where you can talk about like Dort and Giddy and say that they can help this team outside of making shots. It seems like the only way that Darius is helping is when his shot's going in. And if it's not, then he's just not going to be very helpful. Yeah, I... And on the flip side, it's like, again, 
we all agree this is an important year for Bayes and mm-hmm. be, because of you know the contract situation that's eventually going to come. And so maybe it makes sense to be playing him all these minutes because like why do we care? Like w- we we're the ones talking about wanting a high draft pick. Like he's not yeah. impeding the team there. So is it really no. that? Should I really care that much? You know, I, I don't enjoy watching him play basketball right now, how he's playing, mm-hmm. but he's not, like, hurting the long-term <laughs> goals of this team. No, no, no. No, no, And maybe this is just like, hey, listen, you've got five months to iron out all these issues, and we're going to get as much tape as we can, and we're going to work with you as hard as we can to see if we can figure out some of the defensive stuff with you some of the uh, playmaking issues that we have with you um you know let's let's get as much of a sample size on it that we can and we're gonna if we can iron them out like wow we have a nice player and if we don't then they're gonna have to move on in my opinion because there's going to be guys coming in that need a look that will need minutes Obviously, Poku is going to need minutes. He's going to need more minutes than he's played so far this season. Uh, they have to make way for somebody else. And honestly, I think it's this next draft will be pretty interesting because if you if they they'll draft a big most likely if they're at the top of the draft, and then maybe you do move on from Baisley and you play that big with Poku and Dort and Giddy and Shea. Like that's still probably not a very good team, you know. Yeah, sure. at least next year, and you can see the path to okay, they can do this one more season at least, you know, and get, and if they draft Paulo or Chet or whoever it is, and then bring in another player, then it's like okay, well now we're really really working with something, you know. You actually have a chance to work with something. What do you think? Because we talk about him about Bay is kind of like playing out of sync with the rest of the offense, or at least what we think the offense would normally look like. But mm-hmm. do you think that team needs a player like that long-term? Like it is that like there will eventually be a star player who comes in and demands that type of those type of possessions, those, that type of volume. I, I would kind of hope so because so, I think outside of Shea, there's just that, they don't have that kind of player and you right. need those kind of guys to win in the playoffs. So in that sense, like is Bayes serving a role right now by kind of being the stand in for that player? I mean, I feel like you could do that with Poku as well. Sure. You could give him those shots cause he probably has the confidence to do that as well. He'll take him. Yeah. He'll take him. And, and really the, the, the whole Baisley discussion comes down to like, who are you wanting to see minutes from? You know, if, if somehow Poku was also getting 25 30 minutes a game right now we probably wouldn't care that much but it's mm-hmm. it's that we're seeing some of these guys down the roster that we personally would like to get more looks at and and they're losing out minutes to someone like Bays, who's you know consistently going to be averaging 30 minutes per game for this team it's it feels yeah. like and yeah. teo too i mean teo's teo's minutes have been pretty high as well yeah what's what's interesting about like the poku Baisley debate is like Poku's been more efficient this season than Baisley has obviously with less opportunity and it's not like he's been like wildly efficient like oh he's been so good like he's 50% effective field goal percentage like that's not (laughs) great you know but it's a lot better than 42% effective field goal percentage you know yeah (laughs) Uh, if if Poku could stay there if Poku could just be normal bad from the field, 42% from the field, like that feels like a big step forward for him. You know, if he could stay around 42%. Because last year, he was 34% from the field. That's like, <laughs> that's abnormally bad. Yeah. But if we can get to the normal bad and take, that's, that's a big step forward for him. Uh, I think that, I think that's great. And maybe that's why they're like taking this slow. It's like, great. We need to keep, you need to stay around this, you know, field goal percentage wise. And I don't think they talk field goal percentage, but I think they talk about like shot quality and things like that. And those are ways that he can improve and can play. And you can see, I don't know 
if I would say the Clippers game for him was like it was a step forward or if it was a flash, I don't know yet. I would like to say it was a step forward because he's starting to put some stuff together. Um, but he was actually super good against the Clippers. Yeah, I mean, any any time he has those games where it feels like he's just playing within himself and that the opportunities he, he is taking make sense. Because, I mean, that was kind of the issue last year. Like I mean, it was fun to watch, but he would just like – you know, take shot attempts that just would not be advisable ever, even if he was good. And and yeah. we just chalked it up to, oh, this guy's super confident. But it does feel like the plays where he's having success are plays that are, that like project to be plays that he would take later in his career. Like he's mm-hmm. he's playing within himself. He's playing within the offense a little bit more, at least for that one game. I know it hasn't been like that every game. But yeah, you just you just want to see more. I mean, 15 minutes in a game where he's playing well, it felt like, you know, it's just, it's disappointing. Mm-hmm. I wondered about the Clippers and if you feel differently about the Clippers than you did to start the season. Um, No, I, I like, I don't think this team is falling off a cliff anytime soon. I mean, obviously, if Paul George ever got injured, that would be massive because he is carrying mm-hmm. this team. But there are still so many things they could do. The biggest one being not playing Eric Bledsoe or playing him less minutes. I, I retweeted that stat about the on-off numbers so far. Of, cur- of course, it's early in the season, small sample, but like he looked like the player that was everyone talked about last year in New Orleans. He yeah. looked like that player, like terrible, like mm-hmm. very harmful for your team, and he's still getting starting guard minutes. Like the, the whole idea of this was like, oh, he was just you know pouting in New Orleans. He wasn't playing to his potential. Like, dude, there were so many plays in that game where he brought the ball up and would just lose it, like barely pressured. Like he just couldn't handle the ball. And again, maybe that's the ball, the new ball. But like, there were multiple no, plays. No, like no, no, that. no, 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 no. That's not the new ball. <laughs> that is not the new ball. Did you see the play where he drove in and bounced past it out of bounds? Yeah, like, and it, there it was, was nobody around. Stuff. Like nobody around. You know what his? You know what his effective field goal percentage is? We were talking about Baisley and Pokus and how bad they were. How bad is it? Third. 38%. And so that's the thing. Like, that's, at least from an outsider's perspective, that feels like an easy fix. Like, you, you don't have to play him. Like, Luke Kennard is fine. Like, you just play Luke Kennard or or, or Terrence Mann, whoever. And then, yeah. you know, they're eventually going to get Marcus Morris. Kennard's already playing like 28 minutes a game. Yeah. Is Kennard, is Kennard a 35-minute-a-game guy? Well, the thing is, like, they still have so many dudes injured. Like if they get if they just get Abaka and Marcus Morris back, all of a sudden this team is going to I think look fine. Is Abaka gonna play? Why wouldn't he? I don't know. I mean he's just I don't know. I don't know that is he is he still effective is I think is a, a question. Yeah. That I have. But I definitely think Marcus Morris is gonna help. Like he's Yeah, Marcus fine. Morris will, he'll he'll at least take shots. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean I, I if this team ended up like at the eleventh spot in the West, like right out mm-hmm. of the plan, tenth, eleventh, somewhere in there, that's kind of where I'm expecting them right now, based on what I see. That which, feels right. Which is that good. Like that's right. good for the Thunder. Like that means it's great. They're it's a tenth to thirteenth pick or whatever. Somewhere it's in great. there. Yeah. I mean, if the Thunder had the sixth and tenth pick in this last draft, I think we would have been pretty pumped. Yeah, yeah, we would have. You so know, and I think I think that's I think that's where we're headed. The Clippers roster is they were really bad against OKC. It was really unimpressive. Like there's a lot of Isaiah Hartenstein happening and a lot of Justice Winslow happening. And guys that are they're you you know their names, but they're just not good. You know, Reggie Jackson looked like the Reggie Jackson that we had seen in the past and not the Reggie Jackson of the playoffs. You know? Like it looked like, oh, okay, like that's what he is. You know, Terrence Mann is not the preseason podcast version of Terrence Mann that everyone kind of hoped he would be. You know, he's eight points a game, shooting 37% from the field. You know, like that's that's not great. Uh, there were a lot of guys that were just like imagined to be better. Even like Nick Batum. Like Nick Batum like didn't didn't really do it for me well, in that game. And so, he's playing a lot. So much of it is just the three-point shooting. Remember, this was the best three-point shooting team, I think, of all time last year. 
I feel like that was a stat because they shot like yeah. 41.1% as a team. And you look at some of these guys, like Terrence Mann, he shot 42% from three last year, currently shooting 25%. Nick mm-hmm. Batum shot 40% from three, currently shooting 29.6%. Reggie Jackson's mm-hmm. currently shooting 29%, and he shot 43% last year. So there has to be some... I don't know if it's called like positive regression. Like they, they have to come back a little bit. They're not going to be they're not going to shoot thirty two percent from three for the season. They won't be this bad, but do you think this could be an actual regression though? Because like Paul George is still shooting forty one percent. Kennard's forty four percent. Uh Luke Kennard shot forty five percent last year. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know what I mean though? Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. those were all guys where it was like Reggie Jackson is shooting 40% from three? Like, what's going on here? You know, Nick Batum is alive again? What's up with this? This is so crazy. Wow. What are they doing there? Terrence Mann came out of nowhere. You know, sometimes sometimes players like have these weird seasons where they shoot the ball really well. And like all those guys are... I mean, it would be a little bit more surprising if all of those guys were 40% plus moving forward in their careers than it would be if they like all crashed back down to like 31, 33%, you know? I mean, it could have been a, a like a team wide thing because Rondo shot 43% for the Clippers last year in only 18 games. Even DeMarcus Cousins in 16 games shot 42% from three. Like every single that, player that on their team. That to me feels more unsustainable than what's happening now. And not that they'll be like in the 20s, but. Yeah, like, I would guess Reggie would be like thirty-two percent from three, and Nick Batum would be like thirty-three or thirty-four percent. You know, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like man, like Reggie Jackson's not one of the best shooters in the NBA. Like he's just not. He played like it last year, but he was also in a contract year, and I don't know how you turn that off and turn that on. Like I don't know how that works, but to me, like Reggie. Like what is? Let me look and see what he is for his career because he's, he's just he's thirty four point eight. Yeah, thirty four point eight percent. Man, the craziest thing about that that seems about right. Uh, but his basketball reference is that through six games this year, he's taking nine point two threes per game, whereas yeah. like even last year in that great season, he's taking four point two. I mean, they are really it's relying wild. on Reggie Jackson, which is great <laughs> for the Thunder. It's great. Keep doing it. Yeah, I mean, it. I uh, I don't see them falling off a cliff because I do think they're going to try to – I mean, they have no reason to not win. They'll, they'll win, yes. I mean, they they are trying to win games. They just haven't been successful at it so far. I think, what, I, I think after this next stretch, I think we'll know. I think we'll know a little bit more because they got Minnesota. They have two, two games in, in Minnesota coming up, and then they have Charlotte, Portland, Miami – you know, after those five games, we may know more. Because if they lose four out of those five, it could be oh boy, and they could be in they could be in trouble if that happens. And the other thing that we have to pay attention to is the teams traditionally below them. Like who is going to jump up and pass the Clippers? So like right now, our best hopes are the Kings and the Timberwolves. Which you know, I I mean those both of those teams look better. Yeah. Than they they did last year. We'll see if they keep it up. I don't have any faith in the Spurs. Uh, no. And At least the, the Rockets are definitely. We just bad. never want to watch them ever again. <laughs> 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 you know? Yeah, me and Andrew really struggled through Spurs week. Yeah, there's just something yeah, about them. That there's actually nothing eyes. about them. There's, there's nothing, nothing about, about them. Is the thing. <laughs> it's just tough. It's oh, just tough. Shoot. Uh. But the other team, and I've seen some Pelicans fans already tweeting like this, like, should we just tank this season? Because mm-hmm. they're one in seven, and they've been competitive in all these games. I mean, their point differential is a lot better than the Thunder right now, but they've been a lot better losing so many games. And at some point, and now, like, Zion's not even getting checked for two to three weeks. How do you pull the plug, though? I don't. I don't do, think there's guess, anything to may, do. I think you're just bad. You don't like, have to. I think this team yeah. might just be terrible because you look they're at the t- lineup bad. without Zion, and it's so much younger than it was last year. Yeah. What are you though? You know. I mean, what? 
what are what what are the pelicans well that's the thing like for uh what's his name david griffin it feels like if they're terrible like he's gone yeah this year so he probably he still, should be he's been bad man he's, yeah, he's not done terrible. a good job look at this roster I mean, there's not like what do you want on this roster i like Nikhil. i guess i like ingram trey murphy that's where i draw the line like, did, I'm just like, yeah. They legit could have two wins by the end of November. Like, they they play at Sacramento, at Golden State, at Dallas, Oklahoma City. That's going to be a big one, November 10th. Then they play Brooklyn, yeah. Memphis, at Washington, at Miami. Like, those, that's their next, like, 10 or so games. I just – I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel for them. Besides the fact that they're playing really hard and they're competitive in all these yeah. games, you think that eventually at some point they're going to pick up a few wins. Yeah. But they are like a they are a new tank opponent that I was not prepared for going into the season. You know, at least they extended Valanciunas, you know. Yeah, they can lock this team up. Lock them lock up. Lock it up, baby. Uh all right. I got to go. Bye. Bye, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. Bye, bye. You join us on November 15th. Bye, Alex bye. will be there Monday against Miami bye, Heat, bye. against the juggernaut Miami Heat. Come, come, to, come to OKC to see the uh, the sixth man of the year. Who? Tyler Hero. Oh, Tyler Hero. <laughs> wow. Join us. We'll have a pre-game, pre-game podcast that if you already have a ticket, great. You get to attend. If you don't have a ticket yet, you better just come early because there may not be a spot for you. So come early to that. Join us for the live pod, and then we will all walk over together, go into the game, sit together, make up a really annoying chance, make our presence felt at the game, and then we will go down on the court together, take a picture, do a half-court shot competition, win a Thunder prize. It'll be great. So please join us. That's November 15th. Go to down to dunks twitter page and click the link buy your tickets uh it's great it's not very expensive either so join us that night all right al have a great day everybody and we'll talk to you guys again on friday As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.